Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. There's no such thing as a happy and successful home without God. I'm Jim Burns. Over the years, evangelist Billy Graham has reached literally millions of people with the gospel message. There are any number of reasons why he has been so successful in his efforts, but according to his youngest daughter, Ruth, it's his authenticity that is his greatest character trait. On the last edition of Homeward, you had the opportunity to hear how well Billy Graham passed this trait on to his own children, as Ruth Graham shared with authenticity and vulnerability the joys and the sorrows of growing up as the daughter of one of the most recognized evangelists the world has ever known. During the next half hour, it is my privilege once again to welcome Ruth Graham back to the Homeward Studios as we continue our conversation about her father's legacy and the life lessons he taught her about faith and forgiveness. So stay with us for this very powerful edition of Homeward. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh, and in just a moment, part two of Jim's conversation with Ruth Graham, the daughter of Billy and Ruth Bell Graham, and uh, she's talking about the legacy of faith that she learned from her mom and dad, and uh, we're honoring uh, Billy Graham in anticipation of his 94th birthday coming up and the fact that he recently uh, had a uh, medical issue that required hospitalization, but we're grateful that he's out of the hospital now, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, many, many years of great ministry. All the guys who are involved in BGEA are all in their 90s or they're over 100, so uh, they must be on to something here, and we want to honor that. Uh, you can stream this program, by the way, if you're listening to us on terrestrial radio. Remember that you can always go to homeword.com and check us out there. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. I am just delighted that Ruth Graham is back with us. We're talking about Billy Graham from his daughter's heart. She's written a wonderful book, and I mentioned this on the last program. It is really, truly a book that brought me to tears and laughter, sometimes at the same time. A Legacy of Faith, Things I Learned from My Father. And it's an incredible story of a man of God, a, a woman of God, their relationship as dad and daughter, the family, truly a legacy of the Graham family. Ruth is a noted conference speaker. She's a Bible teacher and author. She's the youngest daughter of Billy and Ruth Graham and the author of such books as A Legacy of Love, Things I Learned from My Mother, as well as many others, lives in Virginia. Welcome back to our program. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Well, I just loved our last conversation. It's so moving to meet someone like yourself who can talk about their dad in such a, a real way, very authentic. And you mentioned that he was authentic, but you're authentic too. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's part of his legacy to me. What about your father makes him so authentic in your eyes? I think it's his humility. Uh, I, we had talked earlier that um, he, one of the first questions he says he's going to ask God when he gets to heaven is, is why me? I'm yeah. just a farmer's kid from North Carolina. And I, I don't think my father gets it yet, yeah. the kind of impact he's made on this generation in the world. Now, in your book, something I learned that I hadn't thought about, it really deals with, with authenticity and humility, was that your dad was actually sick quite a bit of the time. Yes. 
and daddy will say that this is the way the Lord kept him dependent. Uh, My father's had unusual kinds of things. Pseudomonas, he had a a recluse spider bite. Uh, He's had any number of of physical ailments, um, shingles. He's just, it seems to me that's the way, I'm I'm sure that we have an enemy who also contributes, but I think that that's the way that that God has kept him dependent on him. Yeah. You know, at the end of your book, and we're kind of going around here, but you were talking about the New York crusade, and, and it was his last crusade. Mm-hmm. He uh, was basically had to be wheeled up there. They mm-hmm. put a, a special pulpit there. But one of the things that you said in his book was that, you know, when he started to, to preach, you know, he, he came back uh, as strong as ever. In many That's ways. right. And I, and I think that really is the Holy Spirit. I yeah. think that the power descends uh, because when he as he's getting ready to, he feels so weak and he feels inadequate and his total dependence. And I talk about this in the book, his total dependence on the Lord to get him through the schedules, the countries, the, the grueling pace that he kept. And his, he was utterly reliant on the power of the Holy Spirit. You described your relationship with your dad as mediated. What, What did you mean by that? There were usually other people around him. And they were there to protect him. They were there to shield him from from all that was surrounding him. And in some ways, uh, shielded him from us um, because he had so many responsibilities. So usually if we had to contact daddy, we had to go through someone else. And uh, that's that's not... I wouldn't recommend it, but that was the way the life that life was. And sometimes it became almost easier to go through someone else than directly to our daddy. And we knew that daddy was busy. We knew that he carried a huge burden and load. And so we hesitated to go to him, whereas we didn't hesitate to go to someone else. Isn't that interesting? Now, you're, you're the, uh, the youngest child. Youngest Young, daughter. Youngest daughter, I mean. Yes. And, I'm uh, the middle child with all the middle child syndromes. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I, you're my Rebecca. Um, and you have a story, and you mm. told this in another book, but I'd like our listeners to hear your story because I think it relates so well to your dad, and you do mention in this book that there was a time you had been in a marriage, it wasn't it had not worked, and you were you're driving home and mm. kind of let your you go, mm. where do I go? Well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go home. Mm. And uh, you kind of get to the gate and, and sort of what happened? Well, actually, it was it was the second marriage. Uh, my first marriage had ended after 21 years and uh, really pulled the rug out from under me. And my family thought it'd be a good idea to move away, get a fresh start. So I moved uh, to be near my older sister and her family. And wasn't long before the pastor of the church introduced me to a handsome widower. And um, your listeners will know where I'm going with this. And my father called me me from Tokyo and said, you know, why don't you wait? My mother and my sister called me and said, you know, don't do this. My children didn't like him. But at that point, I figured, you know, what what do they know? And uh, willful and stubborn, uh, I married him after knowing him for six months. And it didn't take me long to realize I'd made a terrible mistake. And um, I needed to face my parents. So it was a two-day drive. Fears multiplied with every mile. I mean, questions. What was my life going to be like? What was I going to say to my children? Could I ever trust myself again? Could anyone trust me again? What was my parents going to say to me? You've made your bed. Now you have to lie in it. Um, Fear kept my foot on the gas. But uh, as I rounded the last bend in my father's driveway, um, I saw him standing there waiting for me. And as I got out of the car, he wrapped his arms around me and he said, welcome home. Mm. There was never, and I told you so, there was never blame or condemnation, just total unconditional love. And I can't compare my father to God, but that's exactly what God does for us. When we come with our brokenness and our our pains and our hurts and our questions, he wraps his arms around us and uh, welcomes us home. In many ways, 
uh, you're telling the story of the prodigal son. Mm, that is my testimony because I've right. played all three roles. I've played the prodigal son. I've played the self-righteous older brother. And then I've had to play the, the loving father to my children. Mm. Now, in another program, we have talked about the fact that uh, your daughter Windsor was pregnant. That's right. Gave her baby up for adoption and got pregnant again. So in some ways, you had to play that role that you just mentioned. I did. After all, I had done so much wrong. I couldn't point a finger. I couldn't blame. I couldn't condemn. I did want to kill her at times. <laughs> but um, I had to come alongside of her. And I had a wonderful friend who also came alongside of us and uh, made an eternal difference in our lives. Yeah. Now, your relationship with your dad during that time, how did your dad deal with his granddaughter struggling? Well, Bless Daddy and Mother, they weren't prepared for all of this. I mean, right. you know, this wasn't supposed to happen in Billy Graham's family. Sure, exactly. Well, but they were so gracious and loving, and they, they prayed for us. Uh, they weren't in on the day-to-day -day stuff, mm -hmm. but they just, we knew that they were praying, and they were very concerned. Mm -hmm. Now, your dad uh, says that there's God's part in the ministry and there's his mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. And I love how you, how you describe that in your book. Talk about that. Well... Daddy knew that he had to do what he could do. My, my mother often says, we do the possible and let God do the impossible. And my father had to study to prepare for messages. He had to exercise. He's very disciplined in his exercise and his eating. Even now on a walker, he takes a walk twice a day up and down this little slope in our driveway to keep his body disciplined and in shape. So he did what he could do. Hmm. And then he would let God take over and he would he mother would advise him you know study 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 and when the time comes that you have to prepare a sermon on the spot you will be ready right and he would read to overflow and then he would he would preach out of that overflow isn't, isn't that amazing i remember uh, in your book you were talking about one time when he was exercising to get prepared physically he he was going up and down your driveway a few number of years ago probably and your your mom was in a golf cart mm -hmm, mm -hmm. following him why was she in the golf cart <laughs> my that? mother has crippling degenerative right. arthritis so she wanted to be with him then. that's right yeah that's right they wanted to be out there together and and maybe that's I just now think about it. maybe that's the only time they really had a whole lot of privacy. Yeah. You say that he is an evangelist to everyone, mm. and it could be the president of the United States. That's right. It could be a gardener. That's right. Talk about that. Well, it's real sweet. Um, I mean, we've we've all seen him with the big stadiums preaching to the the thousands. Um, and my father, some years ago, broke his pelvis, and he was in the hospital. And he was very willing at that point to say, you know, if this is the way God ends my career, so be it. But he would talk to the, the man who came to clean the hospital room about Jesus. And after Katrina, they had the opportunity to take in a, an evacuated family. And I was with him when he first met them and visited with them. And he had to talk to them through an interpreter. And the older mother of the family, the grandmother, was uh, telling of her harrowing experience and uh, what they had been through. And my father sat on the couch holding her hand and nodding appropriately. And guys, I wasn't sure he could hear everything. But afterwards, he asked if he could pray with them. And he began to pray. And as I listened to his prayer, I realized he was preaching the gospel. Right. He was, you know, thanking God for sending Jesus to die on the cross and for his shed blood that cleanses us from sin and that we can receive him and have this personal relationship with God. And as I thought, you know, he doesn't need the big stage. Right. It's just the one-on-one. -on -one. That's my father's heart is right. to preach the gospel. He wants everyone to know God through Jesus yeah. Christ. And, and it's interesting because there really could have been times when he could have been the president. Th that's right. They urged him. They, right. they urged him to. And he said he would not stoop to take that job. Wow. <laughs> what, what a story. We're going to take a break. Don't go away. A lot more to come. Ruth Graham with us. We're talking about Billy Graham from his daughter's heart. Roger? Boy, that's interesting insight, especially here uh, just a 
couple weeks away from the presidential election to wonder what America would have been like if Billy Graham had stooped and decided to uh, run for office. But uh, I still think today he would get some votes. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, today on the Homeward Broadcast, you're listening to parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns talking with Ruth Graham. Our theme is Billy Graham from His Daughter's Heart. She's written a book called The Legacy of Faith that we highly recommend. All of Ruth's books we highly recommend. And uh, if you go to homeward.com, you can find more information about those resources. Also, the resources that Dr. Jim Burns has written, like uh, uh, Faith Conversations for Families, for example, is a great book that you can purchase at homeward.com. And when you do it, portion of the proceeds goes to supporting our ministry. So check us out online today at homeword.com. I'm Jim Burns with today's Homeward Snapshot. The best part of going to the game is after the game. I love going out for pizza. It's so much fun to hang out with my friends. You know, the kids used to go to one of those local hangouts, and then some of us parents got together and decided to do the same thing at our church. Now that's the place the kids all want to hang out after the game or a big dance. It's great. If you really want to connect with your kids, get involved in the things they like to do. If their friends like to go out for something to eat after a football game or a school dance, will you take the initiative. Make the arrangements with a local pizza place to have them block off a section of their restaurant so your kids and their friends can have a place to go. Well, the times when teens are most likely to get into trouble are the times when creative resources can be most helpful. So pool your resources and make the activities you plan the most creative and popular events in town. I'm Jim Burns from Homeward.com, encouraging parents, building families. Well, welcome back to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. What a privilege today to have Ruth Graham with us. Billy Graham from His Daughter's Heart. It's a wonderful book called A Legacy of Faith, Things I Learned from My Father. As we've been talking about, Ruth is a noted conference speaker, Bible teacher, and author, uh, youngest daughter of Billy and Ruth Graham, and has written great books, lives in Virginia, but she's here in the Homeward Studios today. We're really, in many ways, talking about passing on the legacy, how Billy Graham passed on truly a legacy of faith to his children and then to the world around him as well. Now, Ruth, in, in many ways, your dad has been such an influence in your life, and it's influenced your own ministry, hasn't it? It has. Tell us a little bit about what you're up to. Well, I I'm, I'm, uh, have started a ministry called Ruth Graham and Friends, and I have a team of men and women who go with me uh, at the invitation of a church, and uh, we have a Friday evening of, of testimony and song, and it's a, it's a nice evening, but we set the tone of, of transparency and honesty, because I'm convinced that real ministry takes place when we take our masks off. Exactly. And I've often said to people that really the best witness is not to act holier than thou or perfect, Amen. but actually to share uh, my foibles because then go, I can relate to him or I can relate to her. That's right. And so I want, we want to set the tone for these conferences. And the next day, Jan Trevecki and uh, Lisa Turkhorst teach uh, okay. from their own experience. Jan suffered debilitating depression after Dave lost his arm. Right. And uh, Lisa Turkhorst has suffered abortion and sexual abuse. Yeah. Then we have lunch and we break into workshops that deal with pornography, homosexuality, because all this is in the church. Right. Uh, depression, divorce, singleness, um, addictions, all the different things that we are confronted in our modern society. I mean, these are real issues in our society and the, the real issues in the church. Then we come back and have a session on forgiveness wow. so that we can drive a stake and let go of some of this stuff. And while we're in the community, uh, rather than just come in and open up old wounds and leave, we want to showcase and highlight the, the local ministries 
centers, their ongoing help, uh, counseling centers, the abuse centers, the places for unwed mothers. We want to help the church deal with these issues. Well, that is that is great. And Roger, we're going to have to do another program on, on that sometime mm-hmm. and bring Ruth back and maybe even some of these folks and, and key in on that. At the same time, on our website today, if you'd like information on that wonderful ministry, you can go to homeward.com, and Roger will talk about it at the break. But there you go. It's a, it's a great thing. In many ways, that is part of the legacy of your dad, because your dad spoke to, like we said, I mean, he spoke to the, the heads of state, but he also spoke to just everyday people, and he could relate to both. Mm. And it's it's been important, as I've seen him, to relate to people and also to be um, very authentic mm-hmm. in his presentation. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's using my past. It's mm-hmm. using my hurt, what right. I learned to reach out to others. And it's really a fruit from right. uh, the book, uh, In Every Puce, It's a Broken yeah, Heart. Absolutely. It's a great story of, of your life. Uh, your dad had a great heart for kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, you write about a crusade where, you know, they were having, uh, you know, Michael W. Smith mm-hmm. and other other folks. And, you know, he probably, that probably wouldn't necessarily, some of that music wasn't his style of music mm-hmm. as it got a little bit. That's right. You know, I had an experience once where I was speaking at the youth uh, Billy Graham crusade. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd always have a youth uh, mm-hmm, thing, mm-hmm. and I was going around doing some of those for the for the organization. And one time, I was in Sacramento, California, and I'd been on a vacation. And my wife put me on a plane, and I had a goatee, and she said, "Yeah, I don't know about you know they're they're a little conservative. I don't know if you should do this with the goatee." <laughs> several years ago, and I said, "Well, should I should I shave it?" And she said, "You know, I think you should." So I went into a to a gas station, shaved it, had now cuts all over oh. my chest. <laughs> I get there, and the guy who's picking me up, who you would know, I can't think of his name right now. Um, He had a goatee. (laughs) And I told him the story. He said, oh, Dr. Graham would never Mm. worry about something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he he really had such a heart for kids and continues to have a heart for young people, doesn't he? He really does. And and the crusade you referred to was Atlanta. And DC Talk had been singing. And they had really riled up the kids, you know, really got them moving and shaking and going. And the the dome was just rocking. And uh, then Michael W. Smith came in and sang a, a calming song. And they cleared off the band yeah. and they cleared off the, the platform and they cleared they didn't even have a podium the kids had come down before the stage and he just sat down mm. cross-legged and just talked to the kids mm. you could have heard a pin drop right. there was such respect and such love and he he just sweetly and gently as a grandfather mm-hmm. explained john three sixteen. and those people those kids just drank it in it was it was very yeah. moving to yeah. see i know somebody who was there and said and then they showed up they mm. came forward here's grandpa speaking mm-hmm. to him mm-hmm. you know then they came forward he, another thing that you said about him and this goes along with I, I think one of the reasons why he could communicate with kids not to mention that he was one of the first speakers for youth for christ mm, when, it, right. when the organization got started but uh he said to to your family once, and probably often, but you said this, you know, you shouldn't criticize. We don't know this man's heart That's or right. we don't know this man's motives. He, he wasn't a critical person of others, and yet people Not criticized all. him all the time. Well, he, he has suffered some criticism, but I've never heard my father say an ugly word about anybody. And we, the kids, as a family, we laugh because one day we were singing a song making fun of the devil, and he said, don't do that. He said, he's a good devil. <laughs> but my <laughs> this father... This is the eternal optimist, right? <laughs> he is, my, my father is so... So gracious and kind, and um, he doesn't want to analyze other people. He just says, you know, we just don't know their heart. A man who is like that can show unconditional love. He showed unconditional love to you from from the time you were born until even now. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us a story about how he showed you unconditional love. Well, I think the story of when when I was coming home, um, when I was just bruised and battered by my own choices, my own sin, he could easily have pointed a finger, blamed, said, I told you so, you know, I don't want anything to do with you now, but he didn't. And he stood with me and, and a story that 
it means very much to me, and it is in the book, uh, that as I was a little girl, um, I had come to Christ at seven, uh, kneeling beside my bed with my mother. But when I was 11, I attended a church revival that was being led by one of daddy's friends, and he wanted to go to the small church to so, show support for his friend. And I went along with him. And at the altar call, I wanted so badly to go forward to make a public commitment. And yet I thought, you know, whenever we went anywhere with daddy, there was always a stir, and I felt self-conscious, and people were watching, and I thought, you know, what will people think? And I don't really want to do this. But the urge to go forward is very strong. So I stepped out, and I went forward, and I bowed my head at the front of the, the church at the altar there and heard people's shuffling feet as others came forward. And then I felt a hand on my shoulder mm. and I looked up and it was the hand of my father. Mm. He who had called so many mm. to the altar to make a public commitment was now mm. sharing this experience with his daughter. And it was a, a moving and meaningful experience in my life. I had said I was not going to cry, and you, and you got me. That's an incredible um, story. Ruth, this whole conversation, both today and last time, has been about passing on the legacy that, that your dad and your mom have passed on a legacy of faith and love to uh, all of their children, mm-hmm, to you mm-hmm. as well, and to the world. Yes. But the story doesn't end there. It's not just about passing the legacy of love to you, but you're, you're now carrying that on as well. Well, I have been given a great legacy, and I think uh, all of us have a legacy. We may not be able to change the legacy that was passed on to us because I I do have a wonderful father and I have a wonderful mother, but so many of your listeners do not. Their parents are abusive. They're critical. uh, They do a lot of damage. But we have a wonderful heavenly father who has given us legacy of his total love, so much so that he sent his only son to die for us. Then we in turn can pass on. We can change that in our lives and pass on the legacy that we want to pass on to our children or our friends or our family. Is it going to be a legacy of bitterness and anger and resentment? Or is it going to be a legacy of love, a legacy of faith, a legacy of of dependence upon God? That's our choice, and we can make that choice now. And I would urge your listeners to decide now what kind of legacy they want to leave uh, behind themselves. Well, that is a great, great comment. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me very much, Jim. I am so honored. Uh, Transitional generation is what we're talking about, and I want to say to you as we conclude that you can be the transitional generation. If you came Mm -hmm. from a family where there is dysfunction, as so many of us have, that with God's help, yes, you've inherited the sins of previous generations, but that's a a sin weakness, but it is not the end. You uh, You can make a difference and be that transitional generation. Amen to that. And Jim, I know that's a theme that you write about extensively, and if uh, listeners want to go to homeward.com, the uh, articles and media section, type in that keyword transitional generation, and you'll find a number of different articles and tip sheets and video clips that deal with that very issue of being a transitional generation. Uh, Roger Marsh here in the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University. I think about a young Billy Graham coming out of uh, a school of theology and, uh, and taking the world by storm for the kingdom, and reminded, of course, that APU has an outstanding School of Theology, offering 15 different graduate and uh, uh, undergraduate degrees in uh, marriage and family, and of course the Homeward Center. Uh, we've got our new uh, Masters of Arts program uh, launching even this year in uh, Youth and Family Ministry. Dr. Jim Burns, the director of that program. If you'd like to learn more about uh, APU School of Theology and the work of Dr. Scott Daniels, go to apu.edu forward slash theology. You can also uh, catch a little bit of Faith That Works, uh, Dr. Scott Daniels' program. But uh, check us out online at homeward.com or apu.edu. Well, my thanks again to Ruth Graham. 
what a wonderful person. Growing up as the youngest daughter of Billy and Ruth Belgram, she, she hasn't always had it easy in her life, and she was able to admit that. And by her own admission, she has made some choices that she's not very proud of, and yet through all the trials and the triumphs, she has always had the love and the support of her mom and her dad. They have really showed her a great amount of unconditional love, and it's made a world of difference for her, for her children, and even now for her grandchildren. Well, Homeward is a ministry dedicated to equipping parents and grandparents with the tools necessary to build that same kind of legacy of faith for generations to come. And in many ways, we're working toward providing the resources for you to be that transitional generation and establishing stronger family bonds. Your ongoing financial support enables us to continue this work. So please know how grateful I am for your gift of any amount to support Homeward today. And now until next time, I'm Jim Burns. Thank you for listening today to a great homework program. Homework with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.